0: hello and welcome back to the interior design podcast today our guest is erin froment the co-founder of black dog designs who has come to talk to us about pub design welcome Erin. thank you for having me it's nice to be here and see you um, so Catch up for the week, because Cheryl's not here, so we're just going to catch up for the week with Erin. How yeah. you what, what are you doing? What are you getting up to at the moment? Uh, I'm good. I've been all over the country
1: this week. Uh, we've had a few handovers, and we've got another one on Monday. So I was actually down in uh, Southampton for snagging meeting yesterday, which went really well. Um, and then we've got that handover on Monday. And then I also went to the Cranley, which is in Bournemouth, uh, for their two-week review, and it's looking lovely. It's uh, doing very well, which is Great
0: news. (laughs) It's a proud moment, isn't it, when you've handed over and it's all done and it's absolutely,
1: yeah. There's nothing better as a designer when uh, somebody says outright how amazing the
0: design is because at the end of the day, that's what we all want, isn't it, as designers? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, this week I've, I've been, I went to the Noodle Bar on Saturday, which is a project that we've just finished designing in Colchester. Lovely. Um, and, it's, and it's like one of my favourite restaurants as well, you know, yeah. and you're like, oh my God, I'm designing my favourite restaurant. And they've extended it. And uh, I was having dinner with a couple of friends and the owner was like, and um, I can't take credit for the design. This is my designer. And he was like, tell everyone about it. And I'm like going, I'm not sure if I'm embarrassed or really proud.
1: Yeah, yeah probably a bit of both. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, that was a really cool designer. Um Scarlet helped me with that but yeah no it's really cool to see her face as well. Yeah
1: it's always a lot of fun when it goes from plan because we can see the space when we're looking at plans. Uh, We've been doing it for so long haven't we so when we look at the furniture and how it's laid out but for other people they can't read that the same way.
0: We just had that done in, in my house my Me and my husband have had an extension, right, and I could just see it. Like, yeah. And he's gone in there and like, oh, it's a bit smaller than I thought it was going to be. I'm like, no, that's exactly what I thought it was yeah. going to be like. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, oh. That's it's really surprise. weird, isn't it? It's like a, it's like a, some, a thing that you've got yeah. when you're designing. Absolutely. I mean,
1: even with my husband, uh, it took a few years for the compromises to stop because I used to have to show him what I wanted to do. Before we'd go ahead and do it, and now I go ahead and do it, and he's be happy. <laughs> he just trust you now. We have forest wallpaper in the hallway, <laughs> yeah. and he loves it now. And it's all yeah,
0: he trusts With me. And it fun is. Fun. Yeah, oh my god, my favourite wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, no, I've, uh, other things that I've been doing this week. Uh, I'm working on a really exciting project in Liverpool Street, um, which is a three, well, it's actually a five-story building, but That's the top awesome. and the bottom stories are toilets. Um, and I think they might be the best toilets that I've ever designed. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, I love the toilets. The client's just gone with it, yeah. and they just look amazing. Um, amazing. And the rest of it is all... The three stories are three different. So the, the, the ground floor is the garden, yes. and then the second floor is the amber bar, which we've done, like, backlit tobacco... Paneling. Wow. Oh my oh, god. god, I'm so excited. Watch out on social media. I'm going to be, be shouting about it. Just, <laughs> oh, about... the third floor is what I'm doing at the moment. So the third yeah. floor is going to be like a restaurant bar, but it's got a lighter feel to it. So it's more teals and like yeah. papers with birds on it by Romo. I can't remember lovely. the name of the paper, but yes,
1: um, that sounds so exciting. Especially as you're focusing on the toilets because they always get left behind. So lovely. Yes. Oh my
0: God, toilets. Yeah, <laughs> they're so important, aren't they? They are
1: very important. I think that's where a lot of the time the budget is cut, and they should not be cut because people remember what the toilets are, especially women, because we go in there have a natter, and if it is horrendous, yeah, we remember you don't that. In there, do you? No.
0: Yeah. I think. I think as well with toilets, it's like that whole that whole look about if the toilets are crap. Yeah. then what's the hygiene like almost? Exactly. It's almost yeah. like if the toilets aren't very good, well, you know, what's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. If you've got 70s tiles still on the toilet walls,
1: then what's in the kitchen? Because yeah. that is not what you want. How you gross know? is it going to yeah. be? <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: But, um, but, yeah, no, I, I think, um, yeah, toilets, I always, you, I always say, unless somebody comes out of the toilets and says... Um, have you seen the toilets Mm. I haven't done my job properly yeah I totally agree that's got to happen
1: yeah and I think recently with clients because back like five eight years ago they were definitely where the budgets were cut um, and focus it elsewhere but recently that I think they've caught on on the fact that actually the toilets are just as important and if they're clean and tidy and functional as well as the design factor um, everybody appreciates it more so uh, yeah I'll definitely say have a look at the toilets, because if they look horrible, that's what people are going to yeah. remember, even if the rest of it is all lovely.
0: <laughs> so so Erin is here today to educate us about pub design. As best I can. <laughs> and I'll, I'll probably put in a little bit as well, yeah. I've done a lot of pubs. Um, and and um, I'm really looking forward to hearing some of the things, like some of your experience as well, because yeah. um, obviously I've done some pubs, but I think you do more pubs than me. And you work with a lot of the big pub groups on a regular basis, where I sort of dipped in and out of that, and I've done a yeah. lot of independence. So, so I'm quite interested to see what the difference is. Yeah. Um. I mean,
1: I have been quite lucky over the years because I've been doing this for now over 10 years um, and when I first came into it I didn't quite realise how much of a community the hospitality industry was and it is very much a community and uh, yeah, it's the people you know and uh, the way that the pubs work and function and it definitely helps that I did work in a pub for five years through college and uni so I've been behind the bar.
0: Yeah. Are, that is so important Very so it? important it's yeah like the, I had to, I have worked with designers before who are like oh no I've got no interest in doing stuff like that and I'm like how yeah. can you not want to do that like yeah. I really want to go in and go can I just work in here for a day just so yeah. I can design it a bit better <laughs> yeah. yeah as long as you can still pull a pint you're good <laughs> <laughs> yeah Erin yeah. what do you think the most important elements of pub design are well, I think with pub design, the main focus and the heart
1: of every site should be and is the bar. Um, the bar is where you're selling the product and you're wanting everybody to, to buy really. So your customer journey needs to be taking you to that heart of the pub. So I would say from entering the pub, if you can see the bar, fantastic. If you can't, you need to direct people towards that because that is your selling point. So. At all times, you, I mainly work for brewers, they want their badges to be seen because that is what they're selling. They're keeping their brewery going as well. So that's how I would say the heart of the pub is the bar.
0: Cool. <laughs> so what would you design around the bar? So you've got like, your, the, the the bar is the focal point where you go first. Yeah. And then um, what other areas of a pub would you, do you have like different zones? Because a lot of the, the pub groups have des- different zones, don't they? What are the zones yeah. that you do? I mean, it's interesting, really, because I think it's a lot of pub design has
1: uh, developed a lot over since Covid and everybody had to sit down and, and it's kind of morphed into this different type of um, experience. So I've got a lot of previous history of how every just every, you want everyone to walk up to the bar, but now you can have a mixture of both. So whether or not you are going up to a stand to be greeted by someone to be sat down or if they still want the traditional pub walk up to the bar be served and then sit down so i think with different brands is a, a different element of a journey so um in a traditional pub your journey would be coming through from the entrance um to see the bar if it's available and it within that pub layout um So you can walk over to that, so you'd have mid-height furniture, which we've been using a lot more over the last few years because it's not posed up, it's comfortable like dining. Uh, So we use that so that then they're still comfortable when people are walking past. And then off of that bar, then you go into dining areas or sports areas, depending on if they've got a large sports viewing or if there's pool tables or darts boards, which we'd always try and keep close enough to the bar, but separate so that females as well even if they do love sports, they don't always want to walk into a sports area so then they can go off into the dining area or join the sports. So I'd say there's definitely layout choices depending on the client. Um, with some of sort of more sports led, it is going to be sports, darts, pool table in one area and then dining in the other. But at all points the bar is still the heart of that so then you kind of brand off of it so that's the the heart of the body and then the rest of it sort of branches off from that so that's how i would view it but
0: yeah do you think that there's like this um there's a big thing about sort of men and women because there's because the, when i was working for green king there was a lot of talk about kind of well we want to bring women back in into the pubs mm-hmm. and and it was it was really funny for me because i'm like well. Don't women feel comfortable in pubs? Like, and actually, is is what's your experience of that? I think it's a mixture. It definitely is the clientele for that area because you
1: can get some like bistro pubs, which it's going to be dog walkers as well. So there's a mixture. There's going to have men and women there. But we definitely do see in more of the sports led that it is male dominating. So you're looking at like eighty percent drinking over twenty percent food. But if it, you're looking at eighty percent food over twenty percent dining, you're going to be um over 20% uh, drink, sorry, you're going to be looking more towards the female for some reason, the softer, the more comfortable, and the sports-led always is harder. Um, I don't necessarily think it is just men and women, but it is just sort of the, the natural... My husband goes off and watches for... I don't tend to do that when I go to the pub, I go to have a, a bottle of wine, and a lot of my friends are the same, so it is kind of just the way that we are. I think... It... Still, even though everything is more equal than it used to be, if a woman walks into a pub that they're all rowdy men, contractors, not that I have an issue, I have contractors in the family, um, they're <laughs> gonna feel uncomfortable. So keeping that sort
0: of separate, dependent on clientele is important so having like so if you've got like different kinds i mean my local pub for example has got like one area where all the contractors go yeah. which has got like a, a wooden floor and yeah. the other, and, a, and a pool table and a, juke, a jukebox yeah. and darts. Dartboard, yeah. and then the other bit is more loungy and more restauranty and it's yeah. got a carpet and yeah it's sort of softer so is yeah. it that is it is that quite important in most pubs to do to do that
1: yeah just to ensure that everybody that goes in there is comfortable because I'm sure everybody has one local pub where women won't go into it because as soon as they go in all of the regulars look at them and it's very uncomfortable so with a lot of the large uh, brewers and companies that I work with we don't want that we want to make sure that everybody, any person, is comfortable when they walk in. So from entrance, rather than having that straightaway impact of sports, male dominated, no, we want that to be sort of the transitional area. So a bit of both, so that we can all mingle together, which is fine, because a lot of mixed groups that do go in, um, But so that then females don't feel uncomfortable coming in. But also on the flip side, if it is too feminine, it also is not inviting to the males so um, it's yeah it's just finding that balance really that that entrance area is uh, an important thing to think of if you've got an area for men or men and women but sports mainly off to the left and then dining and if you need it to be family um, friendly as well off to another side, so you've got a clear, comfortable walkway through to be able to choose what way you want to go to where you want to either view TVs or have dinner with your family or drinks with the ladies. Which, um, if there's a cocktail um, section, have a cocktail. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, have you come across much? Um, we sort of briefly touched on toilets. Have you? Have mm. you come across much sort of the of the gender neutral thing? Because it's starting in the industry to kind of like really, yeah. you know, you need a DDA, gender neutral. Some people are just going all out gender yeah. neutral toilets. Some people are like, no way, the women won't go in the men's or, you know, they don't want to. Some yeah. some people are saying that women are way worse than men in terms of yeah. tidiness. And or, I've seen that for myself. There have
1: one site that I have up north once. We kitted out the ladies' toilets so lovely. It had this beautiful wallpaper in all the cubicles. Um, At the six months defect, out of the eight cubicles, six of them had had the wallpaper peeled off in the cubicles because they had a bet going. And in the (sighs) gents nothing had been touched, it was as if we had just done it. So the ladies were worse Trashy. in that sense than the men, like oh 100%, God. and we'd done theirs even prettier and lovely, but they had a better go into he, who could get the most wallpaper off in one go, which was so bizarre, I'd never seen that before, <laughs> before. but yeah.
0: I think. But gender neutral in pubs, I've, all the pubs that I've done have gone absolutely no way. I've not seen it go into a pub yet. Really? Um,
1: And nor has the discussion for that. DDA toilets is a Mm -hmm. must-have. The only instances when we haven't been able to put that in is if it's a listed building and structurally there is just no way without causing damage to that pub. Um, If you're working on a pub that isn't listed, doesn't have a DDA, it really needs to have a DDA toilet. Everybody needs to be able to go to the toilet, and I think that is a definite in pubs. Um, The... Unisex toilets, I've had that in a calf once, but that's because they were limited on space. So they had five sets of unisex toilets, but that was a calf, that was not a pub. And I don't see it being done in a pub anytime soon. Mm. Um, maybe a bistro pub or something that's trying to be a bit different, but a traditional pub I would say no. Yeah. They would want to keep that separate. Still. I did
0: um, the White Heart in West Mersey um, oh, yeah. recently, and they've—I think—they've gone for a bit of everything. Yeah, they've gone for gender neutral and male and female. Yeah, um, because the the guy who owns it, I also owns the Church Street Tavern in Colchester, and mm. and they they've got quite a few gender neutral toilets in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah no that that was quite a thing for them yeah and that's a, that's a pub but it doesn't really look like a pub anymore it's more of a bistro restaurant a bistro restaurant yeah uh, which hotel. I tell yeah. so yeah yeah i think
1: traditional pubs and also because a lot of the time these projects are budget led and if you've got existing toilets existing gents existing ladies it's going to cost more to rearrange that to make it into unisex mm. than it is to just refurb what you've got
0: as existing so it's funny, isn't it? some There are a lot of the time they're like either side of the bar as well. Like yeah. they're not together. Which yeah, really that's so frustrating. <laughs> and a lot of the time, I had that on
1: a recent one in um stopfold where the gents' toilet was in the ladies' sort of dining area, so that then all of the men had to come from the sports area, which we were discussing before. The right hand side of the pub was gents, and the left hand side family and and dining. Um, and the gents had to go from the darts area all the way through to go to the other end of the dining. So in that factor, we actually did... Did you them? Yeah, we mm. used the budget in the right way to make sure that that was the right way around um, mm. because it just wasn't working in the dining area if you've got men going out for fags and then going to the toilet, and it's just, it just doesn't give the right vibe. But mm. you do have to work with what you've got. Um, I think unisex toilets could work in the future. Um, I don't think men are as... as dirty as you would maybe think they would be all of the gents toilets other than the smell are normally just as clean <laughs> as the ladies oh, they, stink. <laughs> they do say I have been in way too many gents toilets oh, me too. so bad
0: isn't it, it is. like yeah. yeah
1: yeah and always that dreaded having to go in and take photos after for work purposes to look at the tiles um to knock on the door and just check that there's no men in the urinals because uh, that's never happened to me touch wood to this day and I do not want that to ever
0: happen I think the other thing with the toilets is, is that, that with urinals you can actually get more toilets in for a space yeah. and, and that yeah. works really well in terms of maximising yeah. the space. Yeah. Whereas you don't you know, you can't do that with a woman's toilet. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like how do you how, yeah, yeah, changing it is more, yeah. more expensive. Like Which I, saying.
1: I guess is a good point as well for anybody that is looking to change toilets or alter it it's definitely worth looking at building regulations because for uh, pubs and restaurants and bars you need to have a certain percentage of urinals and sit downs for the gents and to the ladies depending on the percentage of male and female in that pub so if somebody's going to knock out some toilets and theirs. definitely look into how many you need to put back in because you could be in trouble if you decide to drop out two urinals and you're not covering the amount of people that are in that pub because the amount of times I've done the maths on that just to check we can actually do it because that will bite you in the butt Mm. otherwise it's section m isn't it of the building control good memory I think it it? might be yeah yeah Yeah. I'm not sure (laughs) good memory yeah
0: no I think it's section m um, or you just you would just consult with um, yeah. a, building, a building control officer, wouldn't you? Yeah, if you can do it.
1: If in doubt, keep what's there as you assist in as best you can, um, and if you can't, like you said, contact somebody from building control to advise you on what mm-hmm. you can and can't do, um, because you don't want to be tripped up by something like that and having to redo it, which is not good for anybody.
0: No. <laughs> Welcome back to the Interior Design Podcast. Hello there. Um, we've just been talking about how we're both from Essex. Yeah. So, uh, if you don't like an Essex accent, this is not, not the best for you. <laughs> Um So, Erin, I have a question. Um, if somebody's designing their own pub and they can't afford to use a designer or they don't want to and they've got a bit of a design no flair, what would you say were the most important things that they need to consider when they're designing their own pub?
1: I think the difference with pub design in comparison to maybe like restaurants or other sort of more modern buildings, pubs traditionally I would work with the existing fabric of the building so if you've got a lovely pub it's going to have columns, beams and keep the structure of it the same because that is the personality of that building and I think that's one of the reasons I love working with pubs because you can morph your design around what's there which is fun in my eyes. I think that's a a great thing to be able to do. So if you've got your entrance but you've got this column that you're not too sure about but you can't take it away because the roof will fall down, um, use that. Put something around it. Mesh, planting, artwork, wallpaper. Make it a good thing of the pub rather than trying to take it away when you can't physically do that. Um, And I think especially I've worked on quite a lot of um, listed buildings in the past and I think that's been rammed in to my head because of that. With if you've got a listed building, Grade Two, I've only ever worked on one Grade One, um, which was quite interesting. You could say um, you can't change the fabric of the building without getting permission, so it's a challenge to work around what you've got as existing. But if you try and have fun with that and try and use it to your advantage, so yes, that column or that beam or, or we've we've. Um, put planting over things that other people would try and ignore and not not have there but that's the best thing of the pub isn't it that it is existing pubs are traditional and yeah i could go on a tangent of how <laughs> pubs are the best design
0: that you could do because it's the british history isn't it yeah i um, think i think it's really fascinating how pubs have like the journey of pubs over the years because yeah. you've had it's where people gather yeah, like it's always been where people gather, and yeah. like even some, you know, now some pubs are getting turned into Indian restaurants, but yeah. people are still gathering. Yeah, there, you know, and it's all kind of morphed into something different. Yeah. Yeah. But the traditional pub is supposed to have wonky walls and absolutely columns and things in funny places because it's been added to for so many, so many times over the yeah. over the last hundred years and or yeah. however many hundred years they they get. And, Absolutely. I think that
1: if you, if I work into a pub as a brief and I see beams or I, I see just the original bones of it, 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 that excites me. I find that quite fun to play with rather than having just an empty box because they're, I always think, the most challenging. So actually look at your pub, see what you've got and think we can use this column or beams or anything like that to make an area out of this and then add a screen in or something to make that element you can't remove, so I think that's good because that's the great thing about pubs, I think. Mm-hmm. That um, you can change the floor finish and everything like that, but you can't change the bones. So, you've got the bones of the building, which is the skeleton, we've got the heart, which is the bar, and then everything else that's coming off of it. You're building like it is
0: a person in that pub, I guess. But I'm a bit passionate about it, so <laughs> it's, cute. It's, cute. it's lovely. Um. I was working with one of the big pub groups a few years ago, and we we designed a template for 250 pubs. I can't remember what what mm. it was called, but um, one of the things that we really focused on in that template was the soul of the mm. pub, yeah, and this and the sort of what makes that pub, yeah, what it is, and and it would it would be different in every single place you go because yeah. it's like the soul of the it's like a community, isn't it? And yeah, I think that's the challenge. Uh, so we're working
1: on a brand at the moment where we lead designers and. We did it in the first pub, which was um, a certain shape, certain size, and then to put that design into other pubs is the challenge. That's where us as designers come in to help with that space planning. More with templates, because it's not a one-off. You've got to do what you've done on this other site, which is only 50 covers, 50 people that can sit and dine in there in comparison to 100. So it's a challenge on our part, Um, but again, you can have fun with that and sort of area the way that you want it to be but um, I think if you've got a one-off, just have fun with your pub, basically. Mm. And don't just push the boundaries as best you can, because at the end of the day, it's not the best thing to have to redecorate a wall, but it is just redecorating a wall. So if you want to push boundaries and try, I would say do it, because the worst that's gonna happen is that you're gonna have to paint over it again, but at least you've tried, because otherwise you'll never push boundaries to see how great your original idea would have been.
0: Um, I think one of the things that I'd probably say is that you you want to look at the local community mm -hmm. and like almost tap into what's that about like things like art and you know if you've got local artists or like that kind of thing I think that if you if you tap into that community that's what will draw people in
1: Um, absolutely it's
0: site-specific isn't it yeah definitely And that's kind of what I do when I'm doing a project is, is kind of really try and go, what's what's the personality of this place? Like, mm. what goes on here? And, you know, who who's who's standing at the bar? Do we need, yeah. like, a chair for Bob who's always there? You know, yeah. and, and, and that kind of thing. And yeah. just making sure that you're accommodating the, the, the end user.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think one of the first things we do on a brief on any of these projects is speak to the person that's running it and a lot of the time that gets sort of gets um, overlooked and it shouldn't so if it's not been if they've not been included within the brief i'll always have a chat with the person that's running it at that time because they will tell you the ins and outs of what the issues are or what people are coming in now if you need to change it to a new clientele that will also help you with that too because you'll know if there's dodgy people coming in from so and so but they all congregate around this area so how can we make this area better and how can we draw the right people into here but i think that is something that's always kind of as a as a project team we need to de- deliver something um, they need to run it so we can deliver the best thing ever but without that person running it it's never it's not gonna work it can't be as
0: successful it business can't, yeah yeah you always say that that you you there's three elements to a hospitality business mm. there's the design which we can do mm. there's The service Mm. and then there's the offering like food or the drink and and if you you get all three right you've got a successful business yeah but the frustrating thing for us is like we can get one third of it right and make that look beautiful but you've got you've got to have the rest of it you know and um, absolutely that's where we trust the clients doing what they're doing right because I don't
1: envy anyone trying to recruit because I'm all for the pretty bits but
0: recruiting staff and everything is a whole kettle of fish, really. Yeah, I take my hat off to everyone who runs a pub. A lot of my family have run pubs. Yeah. So, yeah, I know how hard work it is. Yeah. How much hard work it is. Yeah, absolutely. But I
1: think uh, the design side of things is just have fun with what you're doing. If you're working for a client, uh, listen to your client. And also, I think what is also overlooked as probably one of the most important cogs in the whole situation is the contractor um as a designer i'm not embarrassed to say i will take their advice if they're advising me on something and they know more about it than i do i will take their advice Mm. and i will draw up my detail and say this is what i want and if they say but you're going to get from a to b a lot quicker if we do it this way fantastic thank you yeah Yeah. collaborate with them (laughs) work with them they know what they're talking about too hopefully um a lot of the contractors i work with do know what they're talking about and we trust each other and we have that great relationship So trust their experience and use it to your advantage, Mm. because I use that all the time. I will detail everything up. If they say, oh, that's fabulous, I'm like, brilliant, great job, I didn't need your help. But if I do need their help, then Mm. take it. We're a team at the end of the day. That's the way I like to look at it, that client, us as designers, contractors, QS, everybody within making that
0: project work is a team. We all want the same outcome, so work Mm. together. Yeah, I used to work on the manufacturing side. So I used to work for manufacturers who built bars and Mm. waiter stations and things. And I used to work with a lot of designers and that was my biggest thing was a lot of designers used to be, I want it how I want it and I don't care how much it costs. And it'd be like, well, actually, if I make it out of this material instead of that material, it's going to cost you less because I've got that in stock and I've I've bought that in bulk so I can get that at a better cost. Yeah. And that that kind of thing and i think i I think you you have to consult with the contractors to get the best result because of that and the best price
1: yeah and i think in hospitality a lot of these um pub sites whether or not it's a full refurbishment or if it's a sparkle they're quick jobs so we've got sites that are three weeks full refurbishment pergola outside toilets being done if i'm honest i have no idea how the guys actually pull it off I would not be able to do it myself. <laughs> uh, there's no denying that. Um, I can hardly decorate my living room in three weeks. So work with them. In the hospitality industry, in, in pubs and restaurants, it's so fast-paced. If they've got a better A to B than you, don't be too proud because all it's going to do is trip everybody up. So work with them. And I think they always appreciate it more. They might talk behind my back. Who knows? I'm a designer. so. Uh, but I think all in all they would like it more as well if you work with them Yeah, for I sure agree. so yeah obviously don't let them change your design I think that's a given as a designer you want it how you want it but if they've got an easier way to do it more cost effective quicker way to do it work with them
0: so we touched on accessibility earlier mm-hmm. um, and I'd like to sort of expand on that Um, I used to um, know a lady who was the owner of a company called Draft who was a charity for disabled people mm. and she said to me that 30% of the trade 30% of people who go out and eat are disabled or mm. they're know or they're very close to somebody who's disabled mm. Um, or with limited ability. So, if you have a pub or a restaurant that is accessible, and that you're not making it difficult for it to be accessible, because mm-hmm. there's, there's legislation and there's, there's there's making it easy, yeah, um you will increase your business by thirty percent. Absolutely. And what's your take on that? I I think it, you
1: want everything. Every person should have the ability to have the same experiences as everyone else. I think that. Um, disabled people, people with push chairs as well because a lot of time if there aren't ramps there's a lot of steps it's also difficult for families to get in and out so I think trying to make it as easy as possible for everyone to experience the same thing is the end goal. I think it's absolutely a must-have and I, I most of my clients feel the same way as well so any way that they can to improve that for um, the customers like putting ramps in the front section or making sure that they have access to the garden. The only issues that we have is normally in buildings, but there's always ways around it. And also planners do also want the same thing. They do. So work with them to get that. It would just be a longer process. You'll have to do drawings and details and, and whatnot, but they also want that to be mm. um, accessible for everybody. So I would absolutely say if you don't have a DDA toilet, if you don't have a ramp to get inside, you need to be thinking about how to do that um, and how to, to make it so
0: everyone can enjoy it basically
1: yeah. and i think it's
0: from from a business perspective yeah. it's the right thing to do yeah. in terms of profitability as well like yeah. if you can make sure that if aunt nelly's coming out for dinner with the, the, the family of 10 we've got mm. to go somewhere that's accessible mm. you're going to get that family of 10 come to you if you if you if you've got that accessibility
1: yeah and i think some um some situations where we've been tripped up in the past is that we've got um, dining spaces, but then as I said before, mid-height furniture works really well um, to give like an in-betweeny between between comfortable, but also not so far down that you're sitting on a dining table. Just be very aware of the fact that disabled people can't sit at those. So we got tripped up once before where we had two of those within the dining um, area. We ended up swapping them out for dining tables so that there was more options for the staff to be able to seat people that were in a wheelchair, Mm -hmm. um, which at the time of drawing, you're thinking about how it works, people walking past it. So yeah, we we get tripped up as well. And then we get reminded on making sure that you do have enough dining tables Mm. for people to sit at, because we can get ramps in to the toilets. But if you don't have anywhere for them to go, so there's no spare tables, then Mm. you're kind of tripped up on that as well. So just be aware of.
0: I suppose like the way to kind of stop being tripped up on that is to ask someone like if you're mm. in a if you're in a pub and you're designing it yourself mm. if you've got customers who have got limited mm. abilities mm. then th- ask you know ask them and, and say what, yeah. what do you need and what what can we do and yeah. sometimes if you haven't got the, the space to do a disabled toilet you can just put some accessible things into mm. a toilet you might not have yeah. the space to do I mean you need a 1500 turning circle don't you for a you disabled do toilet the- with a um to turn For the wheelchair. In. Yeah,
1: and the door needs to be larger as well. So there's there's a lot of um, yeah. factors to. But if you're in a
0: listed building and you can't necessarily do that, or you haven't got the, the funds, or you know you you know it's not practical to do that, you can still have a sink with a lever on it and a, yeah. and a handle with a lever on it. You yeah. can have the door opening outwards. Yeah, you can have bars, mm-hmm. you can have a sink in the toilet, you know and, yeah. and all of those things, it's not just people I'm, I'm a massive advocate of like disabled toilets because yeah. it's not just people in wheelchairs who use them, yeah. it's people with colos- coloscopy bags, Yeah, the right uh, word? Colum- I'm not even going You're to know try I mean. and say it, I know, <laughs> I know what you mean as well <laughs> um, but you know, they need a sink yeah. because yeah. they need to empty the bag and, and, and clean themselves and there's yeah. people who got, you know, visually impaired so they need yeah. to have those Um, things and I I just think that that so many people go oh we haven't got room for a disabled toilet and they just don't do anything I think that it's good it's really really important to have that nod
1: absolutely I think in today's day and age everybody is very much of a equal we want everyone to be the same so if you're not giving them the options of being able to like you say uh, get to a sink without having to be in a public space almost because it is in a toilet if you've got a full toilet that's not very nice things for you to have to do um, you just want to make
0: it equal for everybody, really. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, well, I hadn't went off on a proper little rant. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I forgot what my brain was trying to say. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about your take on alcohol, because Ooh. I think that the fact that people are drinking less mm. has had, had an effect on pubs. What's your take on it? Interesting. I must admit, I think
1: because my generation, we are definitely still drinkers for sure, but you do see more young people you that millennium? have gone yeah, and, <laughs> and through lockdown and that their socialising is so different to what our socialising was back then, um, that the young places, they need activities like uh, a beer pong table or something for them to stay. Whereas when we went out to bars and things like that, you would just be going there for the drinks. So, and I definitely think there's also going down the route of the zero percent. Um, people are a lot more sensible than they used to be. Um, it's interesting, I don't think alcohol's ever going to stop in the UK. I think beers and ales and everything like that is still very strongly led. But also, yeah, we, we did put in one of our projects, we did have one of them cocktail pumps and it didn't actually go down as well as we thought it would um, because people like to see your cocktail get made. Yeah. So then that also is a difference whereas some people would like it as quick as possible but actually we found, no, they like to see that cocktail get made and all of the bits and bobs get put into it. I mean, I am a drinker
0: so I I, I can't say too much about it really. (laughs) Of bottle of wine <laughs> i think you're right though you've touched on like um the competitive socializing thing haven't you because there's a massive industry where there's apps throwing and darts like... yeah the interactive darts which yeah. that
1: would be a thing yeah yeah and
0: there's so much of that that's coming yeah. through and that they're yeah. going into pubs aren't they in, yeah um yes yeah. yeah, so it's really interesting how, how the yeah. how the social scene is changing
1: definitely especially in student areas like the student pubs The pubs that we work on in student areas are very different to what we do elsewhere and that's because we need a gathering spot, but for them to do stuff at the same time um, which wasn't so much of the priority, I don't think, even five years ago wasn't so much the priority because they would then go off to clubs, now we want to keep them in that pub so to keep them in that pub you give them the same thing a club can do or yeah, just keep them busy really whilst they're drinking Um, but I can't say I've actually done one of the interactive darts since putting them in the pubs, however much I, I could have fun with that. Or oh, shuffleboards as well, which we've been yeah. putting in. I have played on a shuffleboard, that is a bit fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I need to do that. Put it on the bucket list. Shuffle shuffleboard. Board. <laughs> yeah, they take up a lot of room, but
0: they are fun. <laughs> OK, so next question How would you advise someone to use colour?
1: Interesting. I think um, colour is so important within a pub. The decorations can make or break the atmosphere that you put into a pub, for sure. Uh, if you're looking for an area that feels more comfortable and cosy, then you want to be like be bold. Use them dark colours on the ceilings, on the walls, like um, uh, patterned wallpapers on the walls as well. But if you're looking for something that is more airy, then light colours and then have a pop of like teal or pink or orange and just be bold with it and if your bar, which is the heart of the bar, which I keep saying um, if that is already decorated then choose your colour wisely because that is what's going to draw the eye so if you want it to be muted it's not going to be seen as much so we've been putting in mustards and, and brighter colours onto the bar because that is where we want to draw the eye and also follow fashions because they change so frequently. If you look like five years ago, stuff so, red started coming back in again, and that, and there was grays everywhere, and that's not the case at the moment. So, just look into what's working in that area and what type of feel you want and what type of reference house you want to use. Because my friend is definitely Pinterest, and I'm sure a lot of designers say the same. Get those images down, have a look at what it looks like, and be bold. I would say. Be brave. Be brave, yeah. Dark colours, I think, are working fabulously at the moment. Um, and I think dark colours on the ceiling in the right location are great. Mm. They give a different feel altogether. They could change the vibe of that pub completely. Yeah. But and then on the flip side, if you think you've made a mistake and it's your pub, at the end of the day, it's one... It's just paint. It's just paint. <laughs> There's no walls that have come down for it, so it is just paint. So um, it can be painted over if you need to go back to something else. With colour, the choice of colour is different to what you'd use in your home. If you're using light blues and um, cold colours, in your home that might feel quite cold. In a pub it might not. So just using, again, working with the fabric of the building. But if you're using mustard, which is all happy and cheerful, in in my view, you could use that in your home. But in a pub it's going to give off a different vibe, isn't it? But and pinks are coming into pubs a lot more and I love it. I think it is feminine, but men love it too. So it's a lovely colour and um the sort of dried plaster look is I'm all for that. Um but yeah, just using the right colours for what you want. Red is warm in I would feel in the pubs sort of side of things. And if you're gonna put in black, use it sparingly mm, yeah, or that's harsh. depending on how you want to uh yeah. Yeah, what vibe you want to give off for sure. Making black, black beams. I've done black ceiling before, but that's mm. because we had uh, cable trays um, all the way along we wanted just to hide the ceiling. So it was a really tall ceiling, so we just blacked
0: it all out. Yeah, you can do that with a tall ceiling, can't yeah. you? And it doesn't really yeah. bring it down, does it? Yeah, and that, it did work because it, it hid everything. <laughs> 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 but
1: it was black on the ceiling, which is quite <laughs> a lot.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you about lighting. Mm. What's your take on lighting in a pub? It's funny
1: because as every, you think of everything separately, you think it's most important for sure. Um, And with lighting, lighting is very important. And also how you control that lighting, because in pubs, I think wall lights are a must. They make sure that the lighting comes a little bit lower. If you're trying to make it look even more intimate, use table lamps and standard lamps, because then that pulls the light down more as well. I do think you want to be careful with how it's dimmed as well because I find we put in these lovely pendants and it works with the, um, it's not filament anymore because everything's LED but that sort of warm glowy lamp Uh, but if you've got somebody turning it down too low it's going to make everybody's eyes squint so if there's a dimmer pack just make sure it's set at a point and put a little line, if it's one of the controlled ones, um, put a little line on where it needs to go and make Mm. sure you do that at handover so that then they know that's where it needs to be Mm. because otherwise you'll get it really dark or on cleaner mode which is just everything as bright as anything Mm. and that changes the vibe completely.
0: I think that's one thing that I I see a lot of is that people don't Get that that level, mm. and you, it's either too bright or too dark. And yeah. and, and and I think the, the other way you could do it is on a like a, a dimmer system, so you have yeah. it all automatically set, yeah, like day and night. I think it's
1: tiger mode packs that I've used in the past, which basically are just a button, so you have like one, two, three, four, and then that's cleaner mode morning mode day mode evening and i've been on site for 15 hours before setting that because it was in the peak of summer so (laughs) i had to be there at the beginning and there was very specific what they wanted so every few hours i had to say okay let's now set the scene and set the scene up to that so let's drop it 10 percent, and so you do need to make sure that you've got the right electrician to be able to do that as well because they need to be able to um code it properly which i've been shown how it works before i cannot remember for the life of me so um but it is important and for that client especially in the evenings they wanted a mode to be able to go from like standard evening to like intimate evening which i think we dropped it down to like 20 percent. and without the lamps that we had which were suitable which are leds that wouldn't have been possible so also be very careful with what lamps you're using Mm. because that will affect how far down you your lights can go Mm. because if they're not the suitable leds to dimming they'll flicker Mm -hmm. and then your issue will just be flickering lights so you have to have it higher
0: yeah yeah good advice thanks (laughs) (laughs) i really i really like um using led strips like hidden led strips in pubs because i think it just really creates a real intimate vibe and things like under the bar you have to hide them though like oh uh, it's my bugbear to see like little dots yeah absolutely (laughs) when you can actually see them you have to hide them behind something but yeah yeah, I think it just really does things like back bar lighting and front bar lighting things like that I think it just really gives it a good touch especially if you've got a really cool bar like an old kind of intricate wooden bar or something like that I think it could be and you want to sell the product. So as
1: as designers of the pub, I don't get I don't get involved too much with what product they use. But you need to showcase it because if someone walks, if you want them to walk up to the bar and see something and buy it, then it needs to be lit up in the right way. So always have spotlights behind your bar shining down onto the product that they want to be selling. Because there's nothing worse than going into the bar and squinting and not being able to see what's over there. Um, we a lot of the time put in illuminated bottle steps. I think that's almost just a standard must have in every bar that we do because it just gives that glow and again highlights what you're trying to sell. So, um and the LED strips, I'm a big fan. And they've
0: got colour changing as well. So that's also a lot of fun. So you can <laughs> it's, good. it's good for things like football seasons and stuff yeah. like that. You can change the colour for whatever yeah. whatever time of year it is. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And it's selling what you want them to sell. So as designers, they want to sell product. They if they are a drinks-led pub, their product is the most important thing. If it's food as well, then obviously that that's not up to us. That's very much with the brand and, and what they're doing for food. But we can help sell the products because we can illuminate it in the right way, like you said, so that then you can put LED strips on it or just draw the attention over there. So that is their selling point. That's what they want to sell. <laughs> So, focus on that. Not too
0: much though, don't go overboard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that brings me nicely on to bar design. Ah oh, yes, fun one, <laughs> yeah. Um, what would be your advice on bar design? So, bar
1: design's an interesting one, very much speak to your client. What does your client want to gain from that bar? Um, I've designed and drawn up a lot of bar details in the past and if they need an ice well underneath, that impacts the products you can put on the front. If they need to have um, a a tall bottle fridge, where does it need to be? Your client knows what they want to sell, use them to tell you what is needed and then use that in your design. Because with, uh, I could absolutely draw five bar designs, completely different, but they might be better for different clients. So they need to, instruct you on exactly what they need to gain from it and whether or not they want to have a traditional under counter so that's uh, the brown board, so timber underneath which would be a traditional bar or if they want to go to more bar um, so more drinks bar which is stainless steel so cost wise it's a lot more expensive but if they're doing cocktails and speed uh, drinks for a high drinking site it's very beneficial to go into stainless steel. We don't do that very often it's a lot more expensive it's not a traditional option but in bars it is uh so like drinking bars Mm. it is a good route to go down because they've got like cocktail rails and speed rails and things to help them and it's all in one hit so um if you're designing a bar you can either have it so that it's uh, the timber top and timber front and then open underneath for you to be able to have stainless steel or A traditional bar would be that you've got partitions all underneath that bar counter so that then you've got shelving throughout so it's completely two different ways to design a bar so you need to know exactly what they want to gain from selling product at that bar Mm. Um, you could get a lot of advice from people as well though like with the stain still there's companies that do that for a living so get advice Mm. and work with them i've only done one of those before and it was quite expensive but
0: it fit in perfectly under the bar and they built it to the sea. So. We just did one for Chelmsford Theatre last year. Interesting. And um, they had like five, four or five stations. Yeah. So, and, that, and that's what kind of one of the things I always focus on is, is the stations. Like yeah. one person has got to serve and they need to, I think what you've got to think about is they need to move Mm. as little as possible mm. so they can do their job properly yeah and so if they can stand in one place and serve drinks and use the till yeah. and not have to walk very far yeah like whereas if you've got gin on one side and tonic on the other side yeah. that's just completely not n- practical exactly um so the ergonomics of like what you're mm. what you're actually what someone's actually doing behind that bar is so important absolutely yeah 100% because they
1: you need to look as it as if you are in that bar working. And if it's not practical, then you've not done the job properly. It needs to be practical, they need to use it. There's a funny thing with design, is that obviously you want it all to be about the design, but if it's not functional, then that's a failed design. So you need to have a really good balance on that it works both ways. Um, And just for information, in case people don't know about bars, you need to have a wash hand sink basin in there and um, a slop sink. That's a must-have. You need to have two sinks behind it. If you've got a glass wash, then that might have a sink alongside it. But just for anybody that doesn't know, put sinks behind your bar. They need
0: it. Not <laughs> of <have> sinks. <laughs>
1: just the two. Just stop sinking a wash hand basin
0: um, is a must-have behind a bar. Um, it's needed. Yeah, I think with things like glass washers and stuff like that, you need to put glass washers where the drinks are cleared to mm. on, in the bar and things like that, isn't Yeah, and also yeah, if you've tips.
1: got... If you've got a coffee machine on the backfitting, which is a sort of standard practice, really, it's got to go somewhere. If it's not got its own station elsewhere, put that in the dining end. Don't put that in the sports end. The people in the sports end don't want a coffee. So very much design it where you want to be selling it. Yeah. So your Make back bar... Make them smell it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, your back bar, you are limited on space. So let's prioritise what goes where coffee needs to go in the dining area where it's going to sell because it's pointless putting it in the sports area. They're not going to be interested. Mm. Um, unless it's one in the morning and they need a, a high pass for Despre- yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Well, Yeah, um, what's your take on tills? Because I have this conversation with a lot of people, mm. like, and a lot of people go, I must have the till on the back bar. Oh, no. And I, I know, right? And I've just had a, my client in Liverpool Street is. Put the tails on the back bar, and I'm going client facing. Like client facing, We have to have them on the front, and they yeah. they're like, no, 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 we have to have them the back. So what? Yeah. That's what you're nodding, saying no. Put them on the front. I definitely,
1: I I personally think your client, your customer wants to see you, and if they're handing over their card, they want to see you. So I would absolutely always put on the front bar. <laughs> I'd understand it because product on the front bar is a priority, but I also think the biggest priority is your your customer. So I definitely think it's bizarre putting them on the back fitting mm. and it's just not very tidy not very neat it's not a selling
0: point so i wouldn't i wouldn't personally put it on the back but uh, i think as well for ergonomics because yeah. you're, you're doing the till and then you're yeah. doing the drink you're yeah. not kind of turning around and yeah. turning back and backwards and forwards and it's just it doesn't make sense yeah absolutely mm. i think the products on the bar it's obviously your hand pulls
1: and your tea bars and all of that but I think the selling the gins and the vodkas and the whiskies and stuff like that on the back bit, that's what you, they want to be looking at, not at the till. And mm. then seeing that the oh, that person's name is so and so and you can see Yeah, don't, seeing, they don't need to see that. Yeah. They did they and even that with tills you see a lot of the time that then surrounds got put into so a lot of tills on the front counter. I don't like that. I'm not a fan of that. Just have the nice clean countertop with then the till screen sitting on top and then everything else hidden hidden below. So not a cutout. Not a cutout. I'm Mm -hmm. not a fan of the cutout, but that's just because it's so definite. Whereas look at the nice smooth bar top Mm -hmm. with then a till on the top. Lovely. But with a surround, it's very much about this is a till location, Mm -hmm. which it is, (laughs) but you don't need to shout about it. It's a function. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll definitely
0: put it on the front. Noted. <laughs> so short break there. <laughs> Welcome back to the Interior Design Podcast. Um Erin is kindly educating us all about pub design, and I'm putting my pet and penances into um Next question, what about flooring? So as I've said before, every aspect
1: seems to be really important and I'm surprised we've left flooring till now to be honest because I actually think that's so um, underrated. People don't notice the flooring so much but you can direct people with it. Um, So as I've said before with the customer journey, if you're going from the entrance and you want them to walk to the bar, tiled bar walk all the way up to it. That instantly gives people a pathway to get to that bar. If you've not done that and there's just timber everywhere then you've not got like a clear direction. So you can use flooring to your advantage, absolutely. If you've got a dining area, you need it to be softer, carpet. I'm not the biggest fan of carpets. They're so hard to choose. Especially pub carpets. Pub carpets, they make me cry. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There's never a perfect carpet for a pub it's they all look fairly traditional but um, you can find some so yeah carpets in the softer areas and then absolutely must have hard floor in any drinking area or sports area Um be careful with what site you've got because they could be quite echoey i've had that in the past where it's a definite rectangle and we've had to put rugs down um, just to soften that so if you've got issues with acoustics curtains blinds use fabric on chairs to try and knock out some of that like echoing around um but yeah I think flooring is quite important and what kind of flooring would you put generally in a pub timber if I could a lot of the time we use candine as well so Candine is definitely a go-to now they've got a great range um i'm not a seller of candy i just like them <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a massive fan of
0: candy yeah well.
1: i think it's easy to put in as well and you can have a you need to make sure you have a ply base but then that makes it level and then yeah then it works quite well so i mm. put timber floor in you can also get acoustic backed candy yes. as well if you've got problems with sound absolutely yeah absolutely and then if you've got existing timber um just lightly sand and restain or if you've got an if you've got um Budget, but you want to do real timber, engineered boards. That will still be thick enough so that you can do a few sands over the next 10 years or so. Um, just yeah, I would say an engineered board or candine is what we put in mainly. If we had the budget to use hardwood throughout, we all would. Mm. but it's all Mm. budget-led. I would also say I very much like a tile bar walk around um, the bar. I mm. think it it gives it a sort of like oomph that is separate from everywhere else. Uh, But if you look in a lot of country dog walking pubs, there's a lot of the time it's just timber everywhere, and and that's that aesthetic. So stick with your clientele, what works with that clientele. If it's not a jazzy tiled floor, don't put it in. So work with what works for the building. Um, and outro floor in the disabled toilet is a must. Um, I think that's some regulation, or possibly on that one, or is it the, the vinyl rating? slip rating. The,
0: the regulation, yeah, yeah. R12, oh, isn't it? I think so. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. And that's a really good point about slip rating. If you've got any high traffic areas, check your slip rating. If it's a domestic tile, don't use it. Use commercial tiles. It's the, they are commercial for a reason so you need to make sure that people aren't slipping over or falling over um, An entrance matting is always a win because that is gonna stop it getting wet everywhere else <laughs> but yeah check your slip rating because you want it to have a higher
0: slip rating Um cover yourself for sure amazing and furniture we haven't talked about very much either we haven't have we it's yeah what would be your advice on furniture um depending on budget uh, if you've got a lot of
1: existing, I think previously you've spoken to people about reusing um, for, like items, you can reuse, refurbish furniture for sure, get it all picked up. There's a lot of furniture companies that do do that and then reupholster. Um, I think just use your areas quite wisely when you're sorting out your initial layout. Where is your dining height furniture? Where is your poser height furniture? And then we've been using a lot of mid height as well. It's just the in between. Transitional areas, not sure. It's, it's, it's too um, high traffic for dining, so put in a mid. Then it makes people comfortable still. They're not down in dining height when people are walking through them. Um, and also feature bits like fixed seating and banquet seating um, wherever you can. If you've got a dining area, you don't want it to look like a canteen. So use your area to if there's a length of fixed seating so you can have a nice fabric on the back fantastic put that in because that can give you flexibility of putting the tables next to each other but also gives you a feature um because otherwise you're going to end up with a canteen that has just loads of furniture loose
0: within it so zone areas for sure so on the seat of the fixed seating Mm. you'd put like a faux leather or something like that would you yeah faux or real leather tough
1: yeah hard wearing you need it to be i think it's over a hundred um got the word rub test
0: martindale rub, tests. rub
1: test yeah mm-hmm. and also everything within a um within the commercial needs to be fire rated as well so mm-hmm. don't use domestic fabrics use commercial fabrics they again there for a reason <laughs> so and they've got the rub tests as well so check the rub test if it's over 100,000 brilliant if it's lower use it sparingly but on the backs of chairs i've put some 30,000 in before because they're pretty um but don't use it places that people are going to be
0: sit down it's going to wear really quickly. Mm. So use the right fabrics for the right areas. So that's a really good we, point. I've done a podcast with um, James from Sunbury Fabrics, oh, which brilliant. hasn't been released yet. Yeah. Um, which will have been released by the time this one comes out. Yeah. Um, so if anyone's interested in upholstery fabrics, we are going to be doing a curtain fabric one as well. So all of the, the uh, BS standards are all going to be in that. Fantastic. Fantastic. And they've got quite a lot of the, um,
1: I forget what it's called, but the stain resistant ones which I will say to Sudbury are good because Aquaclean. the AquaClean, mm. they are, they, they can almost have a bomb hit them and they will last and not, I haven't tried and tested all of them, but I can say that the ones where I've had a few stains on it and they can be soaked and, and watered off. So it's, it's got like a vinyl on the back, not that I'm selling them, but there's like a vinyl <laughs> on the back so that the, it doesn't seep in and the stain doesn't stay. So, yeah, definitely um, think about what fabrics you're using for sure. And styles of furniture. If you're going to use 1940s chairs, that's very traditional pub furniture. Um, if you're going to use modern stuff, again, just think of your clientele. Who's going to be going in there? Colours of furniture too. Um, so we could go on a long tangent of <laughs> what to do. do, it, do it. But um, <laughs> if you're using like the light colours, um that's going to be more dining, a little bit more um, Scandinavian and modern. If you're using mid oak, dark oak, that is more traditional pub. So, and also, don't be afraid of using some paint on your furniture. If you can do some rubbed off chairs here or there, that gives a, it breaks it up a little bit.
0: As that as well, really you can interest. refurbish stuff, can't you? It's like mm-hmm. you can take a table that's an old fashioned pub furniture yeah. table, old fashioned table yeah <laughs> um and you can paint just the base can't you and yeah. then change the top and just yeah. put a new top on it and just completely refurbish it yeah. but those bases are really expensive and actually yeah. most of them are really good quality yeah Absolutely. um I'm massive fan of that yeah the other, the other thing I'm a fan of is putting a poser like poser table near the bar because a lot of people gather at the bar don't they mm. so if you've got a poser table just off the bar that kind of stops that crowd yeah at the bar so people can still access the bar to get a drink yeah whereas if you've not got that those kind of things next to the bar you tend to have like a bit of a gathering yeah where people hang around a bit to, to, bit more
1: yeah and you kind that. of it kind of yeah absolutely I would always put higher furniture close to the bar so it kind of frames it a little bit because you do want people to, and you don't want big empty spaces because you say you're gonna have loads of people just standing around and then it blocks your view so if you've got poser table sort of staggered around it brilliant because then that's going to get people congregate around those tables rather than what you want everyone else to look at which is the mm-hmm. bar mm-hmm. so I think that's a really good point that keep high around the bar more so and nobody wants to sit on a dining table right next to a bar where everyone's standing it's not comfortable you're going to have people looking over you and it's going to feel quite uncomfortable In a lot of old traditional pubs they do have that sometimes but it, it's just yeah that's not something I would design in for sure. Have to keep mid and poser to around the bar and then have the dining area comfortable so people can feel safe when they're see- eating rather than um, somebody looming over them. Yeah, cool. There's so much we could talk about. I know. That could go on all day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Erin, it's been so nice to have you here. Thank you so much for coming in as well. We thank were you. talking about doing it on Teams, and Erin was like, no, I want yeah. to come. So she's in the podcast studio. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. I hope that you guys have got some benefit out of our conversation today uh, and you've been educated a little bit Hopefully. about pub design. I yeah. hope this is helping helping you guys learn a bit more and we hope that you like the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Sorry if I ramble on. I'm a bit passionate about it, but just have fun with it. This is one of the best jobs you could have because people will appreciate what you do. So just have fun with it. Absolutely and go be bold and yeah you'll get some great responses from that
0: i would say so thank you for having me yeah, it was a pleasure thank you for listening to the interior design podcast um if you like this episode please like and subscribe and share with anyone you think might learn from this our facebook and instagram pages are interiordesign.podcast if you want to follow us We're on Apple and Spotify and lots of other ones. So if you are on a forum that you don't normally go to, have a look for us (laughs) elsewhere, and we are pretty much everywhere. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back soon. Thank you very much.